Hi guys. Hello. Good evening everyone. We'll just wait for a few more people to join and then we can start. My name is Vidya and I'll be your host tonight. And uh, we'll be having with us shortly Sandeep Sangaru of Sangaru Design Studio. We must, we all know him uh, through his award-winning designs. And we'll just wait for a few more minutes. Okay, thank you, thank you so much. So uh, I'll just introduce our guest again before he comes and joins us. He's Sandeep Sangaru. He's an NID alumnus, and he is right now one of the most famous furniture designers India has. He works mainly around craft sector and bamboo and he has won the Red Dot Award twice, once in 2009 and once in 2015. So we'll be having him shortly. Uh, keep your questions ready and if you take down notes and uh, jot things down and make little sketches while we are having our session, we can fe feature you later on Bate page on our stories. Happy we will just wait for a few minutes while we wait for Sadiq to arrive. Okay, so we have him with us now. Hello, hello Sandeep. Hi. 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 Uh, we'll just have a little uh, audio check. We'll ask our listeners if it's alright then we can continue. Is, it, okay. is the audio okay? okay. Yeah. Can, can anybody tell us if the audio is okay? Hello. Yeah. yeah I'm fine, set. I guess okay. uh, this is better. Yeah. 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 Fine. So we finally have it all right. Hello. Uh, I have introduced you once more. I'd like to introduce again, although you need no introduction. Sandeep Sangaru is one of the most famous furniture designers in India right now. He works around crafts and he has won the Red Dot Award twice and uh, he is an NID alumnus. So uh, starting with our uh, talk, can you please tell us about your association with NID? Okay. Uh, I had two phases uh, of association, one as a student. Uh, I joined in 96, uh, uh, did my specialization in furniture. The program then was called uh, AEP. Uh, I graduated in 99 and then again I joined back uh, in 2002 uh, as a faculty for two years. I was there since 2002 to 2004. Yeah, that's my association with NID, but I've been uh, on and off teaching there very often uh, uh, for a while. Uh, I've not been doing that, but uh, since 2004 to 2012 13, I used to be very regular. Yeah. So, uh, we were studying about your work, and uh, we saw that uh, one of your uh, first designs, the major designs, that's the Trust Me collection that actually brought home the Red Dot Design Award. It started with your trip to Tripura and it, uh, you were encouraged by uh, MP Ranjan to be there. So can you tell us more about your first experiences with the craftsmen of Tripura and, and, uh, and how you came about the design? Okay, the experience was overwhelming uh, for me because uh, before that I never worked with bamboo as a material 
and uh, far away from uh, the craft community. So one day, um, me and uh, Mr. Ranjan were having chai, and I had just gotten back from a documentation project for Handmade in India. And uh, then he insisted uh, if I'd like to go and teach uh, or take this workshop uh, for around a month uh, with a new institute that was being set up by NID and headed by Mr. Ranjan. It was called Bamboo and Cane Development Institute. Uh, so a lot of uh, faculty from NID used to go there and uh, take these modules. And Ranjan asked if I would be interested to go. And I said, I have no clue uh, about uh, bamboo or how to interact with artisans and craftsmen because I have no experience. Uh, how can I go and kind of teach something uh, there? Then he said, no, 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 you go there. You will figure it out and uh, all that. And he booked my tickets. And uh, I landed up in Agartala like after six, seven days. Um, So the moment I landed there, um, I saw bamboo from a very different perspective. Because before me going there, my perception of bamboo was also like anyone else's perception, like uh, it's meant for ladders or huts or scaffolding, uh, nothing beyond that. It, it's a material that uh, easily available. You can use it and throw it away. Uh, but the moment I landed up, in Agartala and I went to the institute, I saw um, bamboo being used mostly everywhere uh, for fences, for houses and everything else. Uh, then over the four to five weeks I was there, I, I kind of explored uh, Agartala and villages around by and uh, started seeing uh, bamboo being used in, in their everyday lives. Uh, so it was used right from building a big house to a very small basket or a utensil or, or, or a spoon or a ladle to bridges to fish traps to many, many things. So that kind of, uh, because these are the things that you don't see usually uh, in craft shops or craft uh, exhibitions or uh, bazaars that you uh, go to. What you see is more decorative products which are made to be sold in the market. And uh, since we didn't had uh, any direct exposure while I was a student or while I was there at NID to these kinds of products, I think we were not so uh, curious about the material uh, uh, as students. But I guess once I was there, uh, where it was practiced, where it was used as an everyday material, it kind of triggered my thoughts. Uh, uh, why can't designers work with craftsmen and, and local materials and tools uh, and when where products have been uh, designed and evolved over many generations and reached a level that they become uh, perfect and you cannot do anything beyond what uh, they have done already. But can we take any inspiration from the techniques, from the tools, from the process uh, and uh, do something? Uh, but while I was teaching, uh, the artisans at PCDI, I guess I learned a lot more about bamboo and about craftsmanship than me teaching them anything uh, new that they got benefited. I went there to teach technical drawing and uh, how to understand the drawing 
translate a drawing to make a prototype out of so the whole objective was that uh, to empower artisans with skills uh, that uh, they can interact with uh, designers or architects or creative people or artists to create and uh, make newer collaborations uh, so that whole exercise kind of taught me a lot of things one uh, how do i teach technical drawing uh, to artisans uh, whose whose uh, um, understanding of drawing is very different uh, they see it more like an art or a painting or a sketch rather than an orthographic where a plan uh, isometric of these terms are used uh, so it was quite a challenge for me to kind of uh, tell them directly so i had to figure out new ways to teach them uh, because the artisans who were there were from different states from chhattisgarh jharkhand mizoram tripura assam uh, everyone put together and uh, but they were good with the skills the knowledge of uh, bamboo so at the end of the day i had to give them a drawing which they can uh, convert into a prototype which a product that they've not seen before uh, just by using uh, uh, so i designed a couple of chairs uh, divided the class into two groups gave them gave them one each and uh, i drew those drawings without understanding how bamboo would be used uh, so once they saw the drawings and i told them okay we have to do this we have to bend this and we have to make this component to this size they said okay sandeep humko wo bamboo leke aate hain wo acha kaam karega iske liye so it's like they said told me okay this bamboo is going to work better for this and this bamboo will be better for this then i said what's the difference between this and that bamboo so that's how i started learning that there are so many species of bamboo and every species has its own characteristics and so on and so forth uh so the course got over and i had to come back and uh, i thought uh, one is i don't know if i'm going to ever come back to northeast and work with artisans again because uh, there is so much already done and if i have to do something with bamboo then i have to be there full time to figure out something but i was quite curious about the material because uh, all the products that they made uh, was uh, made using one tool just a knife uh, and nothing else just one material and one tool and you kind of uh, make so many uh, products that are used in their everyday lives very functional products uh, so i thought i should take something for myself back and uh, as a as a memory and as an experience of working with artisans then i thought should i take something existing that they already make or should i make something and take it with me something new um, so it was like the last two days uh, of the module and uh, they finished making the prototypes which i had given them i was not so happy with what the the design that came up in terms of design not the workmanship uh, uh, but the design itself uh, it, they were very ordinary basic chairs uh, nothing nothing uh, uh, different so i thought i should uh, uh, i had already designed a stool using uh, tensegrity principle uh, for which uh, i thought bamboo would be the appropriate material um, it 
so tensile is a principle where you use uh, uh, a structural principle of uh, combining uh, tensile and compression members uh, to stabilize the structure. Uh, so the compression members are rigid members, uh, which could be a cylindrical member. Um, so I thought bamboo would be the ideal material. So I said, okay, let's uh, use bamboo. I made the stool, but I didn't do anything to bamboo. Basically, I cut bamboo to a size and strung it with uh, a row. Uh, and I thought I'll put a canvas seat later and finish the stool. But then I was wondering, what did I do? I didn't do anything because I just cut bamboo into pieces. Uh, so I thought, why not make this seat also in, uh, in bamboo? Uh, so I started uh, trying to figure out how can I uh, make a triangular component. So we started bending a triangular piece and um, a strip of bamboo and uh, I wanted to strengthen it further because you know, uh, when you use a strip it has lateral motion and uh, it was not stable so I thought uh, I'll use another piece of bamboo from three directions so it, it kind of I developed this little triangular component uh, which at that point for for me was uh, kind of we are making it all of us and I was ready to pack up and move and uh, bring something back but once we made I'm we all made that whole uh, uh, triangle uh, the artisans told me Sandeep uh, we never used bamboo like this before so that was like a moment for me uh, uh, like an eureka moment like okay this has not been done before uh, so then I started uh, looking at it as a uh, product and uh, it was quite interesting in a way because uh, it was a very simple uh, geometric form uh, the very basic and uh, it was really light in weight and it was really strong uh, as a structure and uh, many of you might seen it's it's like a stool that you can sit on so i just got the triangle back with me instead of the the 10 security stool that i made uh, so I think that was the turning point. I, I came back with that uh, triangle and I carried it in, in my hand uh, through the journey from uh, Agartala to Ahmedabad. I had to change two flights uh, and it had become a point of conversation because everyone was wondering what is that I'm carrying around. Uh, so in the process of explaining, I started demonstrating how to sit on it and kind of how strong it is and how light it is. And in that whole journey, uh, that the triangle, which was meant to be a seat on another structure, uh, became a stool by itself. Uh, I came back and I showed it to Ranjan and he was damn excited to see it. And he said, okay, we have this bamboo center in our institute. We have two artisans. Why don't you start uh, exploring and do something with it? And that's how it all started in 2003. Okay. Um, Guess you won the red dot in 2009 for the trustee uh, yeah so that's a long story again <laughs> <laughs> so i guess a lot of people know about it uh, yeah uh, so I, I i kind of after that uh, my contract got over at nid to teach uh, nid uh, requested me to kind of uh, continue teaching uh, become a permanent faculty but uh, the whole bug of me to travel and explore crafts caught on to me uh, so I left NID, I started my own studio, 
and then i was looking for opportunities to work in crafts and so happened there was another project which started uh, in kashmir and uh, that was also another project from nid uh, was nid nid was asked by the government to set up a new institute called craft development institute and uh, mr balram was heading the project and then he one day called me uh, sandeep there's a project in kashmir would you like to go and work with artisans there i said okay i'll go so i jumped and uh, take that opportunity and that's uh, that was my first professional project uh, to work with artisans uh, who work with walnut wood carving and yeah so that project triggered my my explorations of uh, craft craft sector and working with artisans since then i lived out of a bag for almost 8 uh, 9 years so for a person who is such a traveler and explorer how is lockdown treating you because we are pretty much stuck at our homes like how do you keep your creative juices flowing when you're used to traveling and exploring yeah the thing is i took a break i needed this very much uh, i wanted some time my time i think i've been traveling too much uh, and uh, doing too many things parallelly so i guess i took this uh, as a break uh, to completely kind of uh, take away everything from me so i i didn't answer my phone for many days uh, not did i uh, was using any of the social media uh, apps to chat or talk to people if i do get calls also i used to just kind of not answer them so i guess i i took the 30 days of break uh, for me to uh, regenerate my thoughts and uh, nice. what to do next yeah <laughs> so uh, we had a question coming about the craft sector and mass production so how do we bring uh, in together like generally our industrial design courses right now pretty much revolve around mass product uh, mass produced stuff So how do we bring together craftsmen and mass production? Like, is there scope for it? Yeah, very much. That's what I'm doing right now. Uh, once we won the Red Dot Award, what happened was uh, people around the world started seeing uh, the collection, the concept of how bamboo was used, and a lot of people started inquiring uh, uh, about where to buy them and how can we source them and and things like that. and uh, i had no clue uh, because uh, that was just a project uh, uh, i had done uh, and uh, i when people started asking about it i thought okay there's a market and i i need to get it out and uh, and this product has to reach people somehow uh, and it will benefit uh, the artisans i work with because all these projects that uh, i work with crafts they never reach the market uh we as designers go uh, do this project develop new prototypes and designs uh, we are all happy within that project time and once the project gets over everyone goes on their own way uh, and and all these products that are developed and designed never reach uh, or no one gets benefited uh, through the whole process so these enquiries figured the thought in me that okay can i uh, bring these products uh, to the market and see whether my designs work or not uh we are very happy looking at a concept but uh, if the design doesn't market well or uh, 
there's no point designing uh, them and and uh, that's how when i started my company to produce them and 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 market them uh, so i guess industrial design process came into uh, play here because uh, i had to work with artisans i had to work with many hands and how do you uh, bring uh, about consistency in quality in making in the whole process because uh, when you look at crafts it's like an individual making a product and every individual has his own temperament to make a product and uh, and every product cannot be different if i making one chair a particular design it has to be uh, made in a particular standard so it almost took me 3 years to sell my first product because it took me 3 years to understand uh, the whole process uh, how to work with artisans raw materials uh develop a ecosystem and a chain of uh, processes so that anyone any set of artisans if they make this product the product comes out uh, with a certain quality and consistency and how do you mass produce uh, so the advantage with craft sector is we don't have to mass produce like uh, an industrial machine does right uh, an industrial machine has to operate for certain hours for it to uh, be profitable uh, so we have to create numbers in mass manufacturing in by handmade you don't have to mass manufacture you have to batch manufacture for it to be competent uh, rather than uh, because uh, another advantage with handmade is you can mass customize because there's no process it has to go through a machine where the same process has to be replicated 1000 times or 2000 times for it to be uh, profitable here every product could be customized to an extent because uh, your hands allow you to do but uh, the basic design has to remain the same uh, so i guess um, um, my design uh, industrial design learning was how to design these processes and implement in the making of the products uh, that are made by hand so lots of jigs and fixtures tools uh, making artisans understand about uh, technical drawing and templates and and uh, molds uh, which would help them to kind of create a similar product over and over again uh, with certain uh, consistency but it's not like perfect machine made so every handcrafted product will have its own little uh, characteristics uh, so yeah i guess uh, industrial design plays a really important role when you want to work with the uh, craftsmen uh, or with the craft processes or methods uh, to kind of streamline things uh, in a very innovative way because we are not trying to bring in machines we are trying to work with the same set of tools uh, but kind of not take away from the handmade uh, processes but still keeping the essence of the craft and the practice so uh, basically we go ahead with the heritage that craftsmen have given us and put them on a global market so they can get value for their work so uh, you have worked around pinjra kari and katumban in kashmir uh, yeah so and uh, these are dying crafts these were at a point of time uh, dying crafts 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 which were endangered a lot so do you think uh, the scenario of these crafts have become better after 
designers like you have started to work alongside the craftsmen so is there a scope for future industrial designers to go ahead and revive the whole indian craft scenario at some point of time uh i would say uh, from my experience of working with crafts community and crafts people um i think we as designers we need to understand uh, that uh, they are not just skilled uh, artisans they are they, they have been uh, the creative force before designers came into existence they were solving everyday problems uh, and making things uh, from architecture to products to everyday uh, things which kind of evolved over uh, many years and these communities were kind of design schools by themselves it is a practice that you learn uh, from the moment you are born in that family or in that community and you keep seeing and you kind of learn the whole process so when you go there uh, as industrial designers first i think uh, we need to respect uh, the the knowledge that they have and the experience that they have of working with a certain material and certain process and uh, it's important to also work with them rather than trying to go and say okay we need to design this product i think it's 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 always better you go and learn from them and uh, and kind of see how the whole process work how the ecosystem works then you will understand okay there are so many factors that influence the product it's just not that okay you you draw a sketch on a paper and you make a drawing and say okay let's make this uh, because when you're working with any traditional craft it belongs to a place and when a product is designed uh, we have to relate to that place through the product so the story has to come across uh, and how much can we contemporize or how much uh, and what kind of uh, inputs have to be given uh, in that whole process it the product sometimes we don't need a new product what we need is the product is good enough only thing we need to streamline the process so that it becomes much more efficient and it reaches a wider segment of market uh like khataman and pinjarakari these two crafts that you mentioned uh, one pinjarakari when i started working uh, it had languished already uh, i was quite curious because uh, i was very i, I was uh, keen on geometry and structures and stuff like that uh so i started inquiring about the craft because i did see uh, a lot of pinjarakari in these old buildings uh so pinjarakari is is a craft people who don't know uh, it's a lattice work where uh, smaller battens of uh, wood are put together without uh, nails or uh, glue uh, they are just constructed using wood construction and uh, it used to be a really intricate craft because it's it's pure geometry uh and there was another craft called khatamban uh, which also uses a similar a geometrical uh, tessellation of uh, tiling uh, wooden planks this craft is still active so there is a larger community of people uh, who practice this craft so i thought i should first work with uh, the khatamban artisans to understand uh, how the craft is uh, practiced because it's almost similar uh, with little uh changes here and there 
but it took me almost a year to kind of break the ice with the Kathamban artisans, uh, that particular community. Even they don't share how they make very openly to locals in Kashmir itself. Forget uh, showing it to me. Whenever I would go there, they would just stop working and they'll just still sit still and they'll just talk to me and talk about it. And after I go, they start work. Uh, so it took me to convince them like almost okay uh, of like going uh, in and out of Kashmir for almost uh, a year to we can do something and we can try something new. Uh, so it ended up like me challenging them and they challenging me. Okay, because they always said, okay, this is our craft. We know it's a secret, and and no one else can do it. And if you learned it, then you will take the craft away from our community, and lots of other people will start practicing the craft. Of course, it's true that no one wants to give away their livelihood uh, to another place or another thing. They they felt that this craft could be mechanized. It could be made by machines, and China would replicate it. And a lot of stories they started telling me. Then I said, okay, but we can still, because it's a tiling, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a craft which where you use it for false sailing. Um, so then I started questioning them, okay, what are the other issues? Things like uh, how much time does it take to make and uh, what are the issues when you're putting it up? So the whole design, inputs that I gave them uh, in that whole project was to streamline the process. I, I didn't design any new product. So the products were there. Only thing I figured out, okay, these are the things and if we change these processes, it will become faster, it will become more accurate. You don't have to spend too much time trying to uh, make and assemble this together. Uh, so in, a, in that whole process, I understood what design could bring in. It's not that uh, because they have been practicing that craft using the same technique uh, since many, many generations. So they have not kind of uh, moved away from it. But as a designer, you would like to see it from a different perspective. Okay, no, this can be done in a different way using the same set of tools. So these inputs kind of helped and that's how we started breaking the ice and uh, they opened up to me and I showed them what I can bring into the table. And they showed what how it can be done. So yeah, it was it was these things how we can go and interact with them first. Yeah. So you have worked in Kashmir so uh, like so extensively, and Kashmir is a very sensitive area to travel to work. So how, has there been any particular experiences that you would like to share as an explorer about the areas you have gone? To? Yeah, I think it's, 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 I think something, I cannot put it across as simply uh, because it took me many, many years to figure it out. Uh, I think it's all to do with people. How do you uh, interact with them? Uh, uh, of course, uh, every place is sensitive in its own way. And Kashmir has been uh, even more because of the situation that has been through for many, many years. Uh, but initial few years when I was going there, yeah, I would, I would kind of distance myself from situations so to put me in a uh, kind of uh, towards the wall and kind of. But as I slowly started working with them and they started uh, having uh, trust in me, 
and uh, we started exchanging uh, ideas and thoughts because i was mostly working with a lot of artisans and and I, since i was working with uh, uh, crafts which had a very strong uh, traditional and cultural uh, language you know, like I, uh, i need to understand their culture and the history of it and uh, a lot of other things uh, to help me design a product uh, that would help uh, them and me and and uh, and need not lose the characteristics of the craft unlike in northeast where bamboo is a way of life okay uh, their bamboo doesn't have any strong uh, cultural language or form or texture or patterns or anything it's just a material a technique that you can use and make products uh, so contemporizing a, uh, a a product in northeast using bamboo is very uh, easy because there is no uh, background such as if i compare to any any other craft from anywhere else in the country like, like in kashmir if i'm doing kathaman there is a certain uh, logic if i have to follow if i'm doing walnut wood carving there are motifs there are patterns the material uh, behaves and uh, works differently so i have to follow all of that to create a product uh, so i think over the period of time it uh, i think it's, it's you need to be sincere it, it's it's very safe. all people are the same only thing we just need to kind of break the ice with them and uh, uh, when uh, you spend some time with them you'll understand how to do it i think it's it's uh, it's anywhere like if you join a new college and you come to a new place you have lots of new people and it takes a while to break the ice and you figure out your ways in and out of it so it is the same concept i believe yeah okay so you have worked as well around chennapatna toy uh, sorry the craft so generally we see that craft in terms of very smaller objects like uh, toys and jewelry but you have incorporated it into furniture that is kind of has its own structural properties that has to take load so uh, how did you bring about this change in the craft or let's say how did you bring it out of that smaller scale into this large scale object i went to chennapatna to explore small products because i like the whole idea of uh, uh, the toys uh, they were very cute and uh, and the possibility of just uh, using one technique that you have to turn the wood and and turning uh, it was a challenge and uh, uh, and i like the colors the way it was applied the whole process because i had documented a similar craft uh, for the handmade in india from andhra pradesh Uh, where they make they can turn wood uh, uh, toys and uh, products uh, so i went to chennapatna to kind of uh, explore the idea uh, so i started interacting with uh, uh, the artisans there and uh, as uh, i used always do i started asking questions what are your issues what are your problems Uh, how do you sell your products and all those questions that you usually uh, ask uh, so they said uh, sandeep uh, um we don't make much out of small toys 
because they have to make many of them to kind of have a tangible uh, revenue or or income uh, and uh, they asked me if i can do something uh, which can bring maybe a larger uh, livelihood support to them because otherwise a lot of people are not practicing their craft so they put me in a kind of a spot uh, that it let allowed me to kind of think and rethink so i came back and i think i went back after a year with this design to make the chair uh i was not sure about how it's going to work uh, but uh, what happened was uh, we made the chair uh, and i put it up uh, on facebook and instagram because i was not sure about because it was quite drastically different uh, from what we had seen because i had to use this process um, but people started uh, liking it and and uh, that's how it got uh, started uh, but making it large was nothing but trying to make sure that the, we use the same process the scale never changed because they would never uh, put turn more than 8 uh, inches long and a 3 inch large diameter that's the maximum that they could do so we worked with that limitation uh, of turning wood uh, but we had to make many components so the chair has almost i think around almost 180 120 components put together uh, but here the challenge was for the artisan to kind of be really precise so i had to give them templates jigs and drawings and they had to kind of follow because uh, not one artisan was making one component so there were three or four people making the same component and everything has to come together and fix for the whole big chair to happen uh so i guess uh, when you start doing new things you need to train them in your uh, new ways of thinking and uh, how to do and what are the things that they need to take care of i think after that chair uh, they've been asking me if i can make larger products no? using the same craft so we are figuring out new ways and how to use the craft appropriately uh, so that uh, we build a range of products uh, that can be taken forward so uh, you just now talked about how not one person makes all the components and i guess that's one of the major yeah. things about handmade things that uh, it's handmade and it's very difficult to make exact copies and just a uh, little like we were talking about mass production so how do we overcome this challenge because when something has to be mass produced they need to be very like similar or exact copies of each other but when we are including crafts into this scenario how do we overcome this challenge because it's finally handmade yeah that's a design challenge i guess it's not a challenge uh, uh, that's a craftsman uh, addresses because uh, over for a very long 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 time uh, a craftsman was never challenged to create something like this they were only used for the skills uh so what happened was the lost the whole ability to creatively think but the moment uh, when i asked them to make this chair or or when i asked the triangle to be made in northeast with bamboo artisans uh i didn't have the knowledge to make right 
they are, they are more better apt because they know how to use the tool, how to use the machine. Uh, and they said, Sandeep, okay, I'm, we will do this way and we'll do this way and it will be faster. Because I would go with my own notions of how it has to be made. And I try to tell them and then they react and interact and they say, okay, Sandeep, we should follow this and this. So the design evolves over a period of time uh, because then we are trying to figure out how it has to be made so that there is consistency and there is certain quality in it. Otherwise, yeah, every component would be very different uh, if everyone follows. Uh, if I try to say, okay, follow this process and try to do it. Uh, but I guess we need to challenge uh, the craftsmen uh, to bring out uh, their own creative abilities to solve uh, the problem. Um, because here the problem is of how do we bring in good quality products uh, with the same consistency. Uh, and they understand it better than uh, me as an individual designer or any designer because that's a practice that they've been doing for many, many, many years. So uh, you spoke about how you had to give them uh, the higher point, like they had to decide. And so this comes with a process of unlearning for you as a designer. So many times when we as designers work, work with craftsmen, we'll have to unlearn what we have learned, give away our conventions and listen to them patiently. So how do we go about this process, make that kind of balance between two different categories of people? How do we bring about that uh, common point? Okay, I didn't hear your question very clearly. <coughs> Should I repeat? There is some disturbance. Uh, yeah, can you just repeat? Okay. No, I was asking that you were talking about how you had to uh, first listen to the craftsmen, how to go about the process because they knew more. So when we as industrial designers interact with craftsmen, there is a certain process of unlearning that is in, uh, that is included in that process. We'll have to unlearn our ways and give up our conventions and maybe we'll have to hit a middle ground as two different communities of people. So how do we go about that process of bringing about that balance between craftsmen and industrial designers? So this is going to take a while because the more designers work with uh, a larger community of people, uh, the ecosystem of this understanding will build. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, it'll, like what I've been learning through my experiences, I go, I spend a lot of time trying to understand the process and, and uh, build that knowledge base. Uh, since I have already built a certain knowledge base with a certain community, if another designer goes and works with the same set of community, or uh, the same set of craftsmen, uh, they will better understand what he's talking and uh, what uh, the other person needs. So he can interact with a little more confidence and little more, he'll be a little more forthcoming uh, in the process. I guess the more uh, designers work with a larger community, then I guess it will become a way of life. Uh, now, every time, any, any anything that is first uh, or something that is already uh, kind of languished and we are trying to rebuild it in a new way, it's going to take a while. Uh, I guess I more people going and working uh, is what required now. <laughs> okay, so uh, I go back to the fact that right now we are in a lockdown situation and the pandemic is going on. 
and a lot of sectors are going digital, like going digital. They are being digitized now that they have a future vision that things might not really turn exactly how they were. So, in a sector like industrial design, where we have to get our hands dirty, have to work closely with the material, how do you see the future of this sector when things are going digital mostly? Yeah, I think there will be changes uh, that are bound to come, and I think we are admitting new tools. And 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 it tool uh, when you use it, it it's 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 a craft of using that particular tool. Okay, now uh, in the present day, I I'm interacting with my uh, initially when I started like 14, 15 years back to go spend much more time, okay, uh, to kind of understand them for them to understand me. Uh, I used to make drawings, I used to take mockups. And explain them the whole process, or make a three D model on the computer and show them. But now, uh, once they've understood the whole process, and they also understand how technology is helping them to see and visualize a product, it becomes much faster. Even they can give inputs before the product is made. Uh, and you are empowering them with new skills. So as I think as technology is growing, as, as things like you are getting 3D printers, you're, uh, everything is getting digital. Uh, for you to uh, kind of communicate with them, it becomes very easier if, if these tools are used. So I don't have to be there all the time to explain, maybe. So I can just send them a file and they can just print it out and see, okay, what I need. Uh, and and see how they can build the product using their tools. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Actually, that can help. Okay, so earlier uh, we had a question coming. It was, uh, you were a teacher earlier at NID. And uh, do you look forward to going back to teaching or are you looking forward to exchange of knowledge that way? And how was your experience as a teacher? I think your voice is cracking. Uh, it's the signal is not uh, clear. So. Okay, maybe I, I'll I'll just repeat again. Can you hear me now? Yeah. 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 So we had a question earlier that since you were a faculty at one point of time in NID, so do you look forward to going back to uh, being a faculty again or being a teacher again? And how was your experience at that time? as a teacher or a faculty yeah <laughs> it was just few years I, I graduated in 99 and i went back in 2002 uh, and i had no prior experience of teaching uh, i had no clue how to do that but i guess it was a good experience because uh, while when you're a student you see from different perspective when you're on the other side of the table, it's a completely different perspective. Uh, and I think uh, it was really uh, wonderful uh, for me because uh, I I came back and 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 I I started uh, uh, and I started teaching with the faculty who taught me. 
uh, so i was like a co faculty and uh, and they were my colleagues and uh, it was it was one of the most wonderful experiences i guess i think those two years two years was i guess i cannot put it in words but i learned and uh, i enjoyed the experience of uh, teaching design because it's not a formula that you put on the wall and everyone follows it so it's 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 like yeah you have to figure out ways to find a way out so you were a student in nid as well so as students nid is always very close to our hearts and we all have certain experiences that have shaped us and that we will always want to go back to once we are out of the institute so do you have certain uh, experiences to share with us as a student that like that was very uh, valuable to you i think the way we learn at nid uh is i think the most important thing because that's uh, that is something that you never get in any other place under one roof uh, with all the facilities uh, all the uh, guidance and all the tools that are required uh, for you to explore as much as possible so i think uh, the three years i spent i did everything that i could lay my hands on at the campus uh i most of the time i used to be in the workshops or uh, in the camp building uh, doing something or the other <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah i guess uh, by the end of it i guess i had so much work uh, that i wanted to explore more uh, i studied furniture but I, after i graduated i didn't uh, practice furniture for almost 5 6 years uh immediately after graduating we started a company in hyderabad to do with special effects uh, i worked as an assistant cameraman for a few years so i just wanted to see what can be done so because nid gave me all those kind of skills to explore and it never let me kind of uh, that i could only do this uh, that i kind of yeah so uh we are talking about nid and the experience there uh, it's one of the most prestigious institutes giving a formal design training to people but there are a lot of people out there uh, who want to pursue design as a career but might not have the access to formal design education so uh, what do you think is the way about it uh, is it uh, is it imperative in today's market or today's world to have a formal design education to be a designer i think not uh, necessary you can always uh, uh, pick up the skills but uh, it's always good to kind of understand uh, the process for you to kind of manipulate and and if you don't get through design institute you can always uh, follow your heart uh, do your projects develop your uh, prototypes of uh, uh, thoughts uh, because that's very important to kind of uh, bring forth the proof of concept if you are if you are trying to solve a problem it could be a product it could be a, it could be a graphic it could be a story it could be anything uh, and once you build that you can share it with uh, 
because with social media you can do that uh, with digital being around you can just put it up and you can interact with people and get that inputs and feedback you can apprentice with maybe design houses design studios and then i can get into it so this i guess uh, i think uh, we need to relook at uh, education and learning from a new perspective now because uh, with new tools that we have we don't have to actually go to and uh, go to a large institute or get because uh, because the selection process also limits a lot of people to to get into it yeah because we cannot always say okay this is the right process that if you do this you are only good for that uh, talking about the process and how to come about uh, the making of a product so this is a very common question we come across from industrial designers how many iterations are too many iterations like uh, can you hear me yeah yeah hello yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah so i think till the moment that you do you cannot do anything yes beyond the last yes. iteration yeah okay Okay, so we just keep doing. So you have to keep doing it till the point that yeah, 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 that it's it's okay. You have done everything that you cannot uh, find another way to do it. So, so uh, I'd like to ask you about if you could say tell us something about your future projects or upcoming projects that we might get to see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> too many things that I explore, uh, and I don't give myself a deadline uh, because I don't want to kind of uh, make a product that kind of uh, just for the sake of making it. Uh, my objective of doing the kind of work I do because it allows me to travel, experience different ways of life, meet different people. Uh, and that's my main objective. Uh, the product is just an outcome of this whole process. So, I don't really sit and say, okay, I have to design a chair today or a table tomorrow. Or, or, or I guess I, I just want to plan, okay, I need to go to that place and explore and understand this new culture and, uh, and see if I can contribute anything there. Or, is it anything that needs to be done or not done? Because it's not always that you have to do something. Uh, I don't know if I could answer that question, but I guess it's it's not uh, put it straightforward. But I guess you need to keep exploring till you find uh, what you really want, and keep doing it over and over again. hundred people watching you right now there are a lot of creators there are a lot of people who want to be uh, a part of uh, the designers community so do you have something to say to them some words of encouragement so encouragement i don't know uh, just follow your heart just follow your heart uh, keep exploring, keep exploring. Uh, and don't let yourself down by, uh, by uh, seeing things that are already done and say, okay, oh, 
someone else has, has already made it because we always kind of uh, kind of move back saying someone has already made it why should i make it so i guess we need to break that notion of uh, uh, someone has made it kind of a concepts just explore do what you want to do and uh, that will take you to something else because uh, the moment you need to start if you don't start then you won't uh, keep exploring